Hey, Stacey Monroe here, and you're listening to the Six Figure Hairstylist Podcast. Today, I am super excited to introduce you to my next guest, Lala. Lala and I met back in around 2016 when she came into the salon to teach some of her magic. Um, I think it might have been one of her first in salon classes, and I've been following her ever since. It's been so fun watching her career unfold as a creator and an educator. I loved her story that she shares about manifesting coming to the States by blowing on dandelions. It was a field that was across the street from her house in Romania. She was 30 when she moved to the United States. She studied art and physiology uh, while in Romania, as well as hair as plan B, which is interesting. So her childhood, it laid the uh, foundation for all of her strengths today and her ability to follow through with all of her dreams. In my opinion, Lala, you are the hero in your own story. So welcome. And thank you so much for being with us today. It's so much for having me. Yay. Again, after all these years. Yes, I know. It's been a long time. It's been so fun watching you. So share with our listeners a little bit about who you are um, and how you got started in the industry. Well, I'm Lala, the face behind Lala Sabji's brand and the hands behind Lala Sabji's brands. Uh, came in the States back in 2006 with the thought to stay for five years, take my citizenship and then go back. I just wanted my kid to have a second chance in case she decides that Romania is not the country she wants to live in. And after living five years here, you know, going back to visit, I it was a weird feeling. I didn't feel home there anymore, mm. but I it was my home either. So I decided to stay another few years just to figure out what I want to do. And um, eventually this became my home, you know. Um, I um, When I decided to immigrate in the States back in 2000, and uh, actually it was my dream since I was a kid, like you mentioned in the beginning, yeah. uh, one of my dreams. And the reason I wanted to come in the States when I was a kid is because I'm coming from a post-communist country, which had the border closed. We were very isolated. We did not know anything that happens outside of our borders. Um, to be honest with you, when we were kids, we actually, even though we learn in school about all the other countries in the world and everything that happens outside, filtered uh we still thought because we were so isolated as kids we thought we are the only country in the world <laughs> because we had no connection or no knowledge or anything that could uh allow us to see that it's anything else other than us uh we were literally having just one tv station running only for three four hours a day talking about our president we did not see any movies when we were kids there were no movies uh running at our TV station only on Saturdays and Sundays, which was once, uh, twice a week. And only few people on the street would have TVs and the whole blocks would like meet in one of, uh, of our apartments, whoever had a TV and the whole street would watch that movie that will uh, play on Saturday and Sunday. And the only, now I'm like going really into, into detail. <laughs> But I remember the only movies that we would be able to see were Bollywood movies and Western movies, because those were the only movies that nobody was kissing or having sex. Oh, wow. So much what we had in our country. And that was the reason I wanted to um, come to America. Um, my dad's side of the family, my dad is the first one out of 10. And three of his brothers uh, crossed the border illegally and made it into the States in the 80s. 
And as soon as they got here, they started to send pictures uh, in Romania with whatever, you know, exotic stand fruits and uh, convertible cars and stuff that we have never seen or heard before uh, in our country. And looking at those pictures, that seed, um, you yeah. know, in my heart and uh, I remember myself like you mentioned in the beginning like in our culture we have a um, we have this belief that if you blow into a dandelion until you run out of breath eventually that um, wish is going to become true and I remember myself like laying in that dandelion field every spring and and blowing into those and telling myself that when I will grow up I will run to America and a lot of other wishes that eventually came true. So actually part of my logo, Lala's uh, Abdu's brand, uh, probably everyone is familiar with it. It has a, it ha always had, had a dandelion in there. And part of that, it's, it's, you know, one of my dreams coming true and making it to America. Eventually the communists went down, so I did not have to cross the border illegally. And I immigrated um, in 2006 when I was 30 years old. Uh, I came here with a small suitcase, $300 in my pocket, and my daughter was one and a half, um, almost no knowledge of English. Uh, I have studied psychology and art in Romania, but a lot of my friends told me uh, to be prepared not to have those uh, that education recognized and have a plan B. So that's when I decided to go uh, in Romania and take my license as a cosmetologist as a plan B. Um, made it in the States in 2006 in, in May. Um, None of my education was recognized, uh, not even my license in cosmetology. My daughter was one and a half, so I had to get a job. I could not afford to pay, pay a babysitter, so I had to keep her at work with me. The first job that I got in the United States was a property manager. I have no idea how they hired me. Um, I must have worn a very sexy outfit that day because that's the only explanation. <laughs> they needed your expertise. And uh, I got the job and um, I literally raised my kid in the places I worked. Um, I was only making $240 as a property manager because the apartment was part of my salary. And we made it in the States right when uh, the economy started to go down, when it was that, uh, you know, uh, economic um, uh, depression or whatever you call yeah. it. Was that like around 2008, 9, 10, right yeah. around there? Okay. What got here it, it just started and then it started to feel like really bad in 2007 yeah. and my husband back then was working in construction so in, already in 2006 he started to have like less and less work and by 2007 he was actually home and I was the only one working so imagine three people trying to live on 240 dollars mm -hmm. so I started to do a lot of uh, kitchen hair uh, because I knew a little bit of hair taking my license in Romania and that way I was making some extra money and on weekends I was going to senior houses doing hair and nails for the seniors or literally just giving days off meaning washing the seniors changing diapers cooking for them and all that just so I can make some extra money and uh, it got to the point where it was so hard financially that I decided to go and take my license um, in cosmetology because um you know, psychology is almost eight years and I was studying with a small kid. Um, I could not be in college for another seven, eight years. So I decided to go for something shorter, which was cosmetology. And uh, in 2008, I told my husband, I'm going to go to school to take my license. And uh, he told me that's not the, the right thing to do. And I should be home and I should take care of my kid. And uh, a lot of people told me that I cannot do it. 
And um, eventually I almost gave up because all of the public schools that I tried, they only had like morning hours and I could not leave my job because I was the only one working and yeah. having a our head. So I decided to go and enroll in a, in a private college that uh, allowed me to take uh, afternoon hours and keep my job. And so on that one, one year later, after having my daughter with me in the office every day from eight to four, and then going to school from four to 12 every day and making it home by 1230 and then wow. doing cooking and laundry and going to sleep three o'clock in the morning and then waking up again at six o'clock so I can be in the office at eight and having a small child with me in the office and not being able to take any notes in school because my English was so poor that I could not understand anything. So in addition of having my kid with me in the office and, um, you know, renting apartments and running a property, I actually had to take every day in the office three to four hours to go over the chapter that was given to me the day before, because we would have a written test every day at school. And because I couldn't take notes, I had to learn everything on my own. And that's actually how I learned English. I learned English in cosmetology school. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, so what I actually had to do, I had to take the Milady book and uh, take the chapter and take one sentence out of the chapter, look for in the dictionary for each word, put the words together and then figure out what the sentence is and then go to the next one. Oh and it would take four to five hours to go over one chapter so I can study and get ready for that test that I would take at four o'clock when I go to school. While I was responding phone calls, renting apartments and having a toddler with me in the, in the office. Superwoman here. Perfect example of superwoman. That's amazing. Wow. And uh, still living, you know, like literally from a check to another. I can't even say that I was living from a check to, to another because after I was paying the bills, I was left with nothing. I literally days during the, the school. I remember I had days when I had nothing to put on my plate and I would put like one potato and one egg in front of my daughter and my husband. And I would say I ate and I would like desperately wait for those Saturdays or Sundays when I was going to senior houses so I can steal food from their fridge and eat something. Wow. Days. That, it was that. That's that had, I can't even imagine, you know, that sounds like it was really hard. So eventually I graduated. Um, I made it through school. Uh, with my toddler in my arms. Um, I rented a chair in a salon right after I graduated, thinking that I know it all and I'm just shit. <laughs> huge, huge, huge mistake. Even though I went through college, the beauty college in, in Romania, and I worked a little bit behind the chair before I came in the States, thinking that I went through two colleges, I thought that that's enough for me to know how to run my own business and make money. And huge mistakes because two years in, after I rented that chair, I was in debt of over Mm. $40,000 for a chair off of my credit cards because I had no clientele. And, you know, struggling to work extra hours doing a kit, like I was still doing kitchen hair in my home for people to come to the salon and I was paying a chair that I was not using because I had no clientele why I had no clientele because clientele it takes two to three years for anyone who worked in the salon they know that if I would have assisted and not rented the chair I would have known that as well but I have it so that's an advice for the ones who graduate or want to start their career don't do it on your own because you're going to suffer tremendously and you're going to have more to lose than gain by doing so I agree 
oh, two hours, two years in, I was $40,000 in debt, still living uh, from a check to another, still going in senior houses on the weekends to make some extra money, uh, still raising my kids in the places I was working. And then uh, that went on for nine years, Stacy. Nine years oh I gosh. worked in the office, having my kid with me in the office. I pretty much raised my kid in the places I worked. My kid never had a sleepover. She never had a nap at 12 o'clock. She never had a play uh, day with her friends or being at the bar because she was always with me either in the office of the salon or the senior houses. Yeah, I can re- I can relate a little bit to that, you know, because I had my kid when I was 16, my first one and started go- working, doing hair. And yeah, I used to have to bring her into the salon a lot. And I looking back on it, I'm like, I wonder what the salon owner used to think, because being a salon owner now, you know watching people raise their children. It's really hard. I can totally relate to that. Well, you were blessed to have a, an understanding boss. <laughs> I know I really was. Like for me, I was renting. So I was always trying to get her out of the way of my colleagues mm. and other anyone. So it was, it was okay for me, but um, it was okay, but not easy. <laughs> Definitely not- hard. Oh because it was not having a toddler with you in places that your work is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I went on like that for nine years working from, uh, you know, three jobs with no days off with no vacation for nine years. The only places I afforded to go uh, back then I used to live in Sacramento. Um, I would go to San Francisco, which is one and a half hours from Sacramento. And most of the times I would uh, pack sandwiches from home because I couldn't even afford to go to a fast food with my daughter. Mm-hmm. But I could afford the gas money, you know, and go there. And that was the only place I went in nine years. And uh, nine years later, I am uh, I'm telling you the story because this is how my career started. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, it's important for people to know that I, about you. 2014, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars in, in debt, still working three jobs with no days off and, and carrying my, my child with me in the places I work. I'm going to the salon one day and uh, I we had a park in the back of the salon that I would take my daughter sometimes when I would take her with me in the salon. And the moment we stepped in the salon, my daughter told me that she wants to go to the park. So I'm trying to explain explain my daughter that we can't go right now. We have to wait at least an hour or two and see if any walk-ins are coming for mommy needs to make some money. And the first time in so many years, my sweet daughter that never complained about anything decided to throw a fit in the middle of the salon. She literally threw herself on the floor mm-hmm. and she started crying and called me a terrible mother and telling me and asking me in front of all my colleagues and all the, the, you know, the, the clientele in the salon that why she can't have a sleepover and why she can't play with friends and why she can ever be at the park. And uh, the kids uh, at the block told her that she's adopted and, and she threw all the front of the salon. And, you know, I did not need my daughter to tell me that I'm a, me- I'm, I'm, I'm a bad mother. I, I felt that guilt every day and every night for the, all those years after I made it in the States, wondering why am I doing this and why did I, did I decided to stay in this country when I could have been home, having my mother, my mother-in-law helping and having, you know, a real family and not struggle with all this. Yeah, you had no resources here. Yeah. And, uh. Like I said, I did not need her to remind me I'm a bad mother. I already felt like a bad mother. So that 
fit that she threw that day was enough for me to um, make me lose control to to do anything. I literally ran uh, on the back uh, room and left her on the floor. I could not even react to that because I was a mess too. And I'm running in the back room and I'm like crying myself on the floor too. And I could hear my daughter in the salon crying herself on the floor too. And I'm literally starting to pray and I'm like, God, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I'm like, these ears put a toll on me and I'm, I'm not a lazy butt. You see that I'm really trying here and nothing changes and I just don't know what to do anymore. I'm, I mean, I'm like working three jobs for years now and I'm still not getting by. And uh, I'm literally making a deal with God in that back room. And I tell God, I'm like, you know what? You kind of suck here. I'm like putting everything in and I'm trying really hard and you're not helping. And I'm like, I'm going to make a deal with you. And I promise you that if you help me make a living off hair and leave my other two jobs, I promise you that um, I will let every person sitting in my chair know how you changed my life around and, and how you helped me give this child a better life. Wow. And Alex uh, grabbed my daughter from the floor and she went to the park with her and she gave me that time to, you know, get my, uh, myself back on my feet. And that was in August of 2014. So 2006, 2014, how many hour, uh, years is that? <laughs> I like can't seven. Yeah. So seven years in uh, of working hard you know and trying and not making it and I and I make that deal with God in the back room and eventually I calm down and that was uh, um, August of 2014 and two I think two weeks later I have one of my clients asking me to do her uh, hair for her wedding mm -hmm. back then I was a cotton colorist I did not do any bridal hair I was not familiar with anything when it comes to bridal hair all I knew what to do is what I've been taught in in uh, cosmetology school is how to set the rollers and how to curl with the curling iron. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I'm telling my client that I'm not the right person to do her hair. And she says that, well, I don't want anything special. I just want some curls pinned up and I don't trust anyone with my hair other than you. I would appreciate if you did it. So uh, we did a trial. I did some curls pinned it up. She loved it. And we decided that I'm going to be the one doing her hair for her wedding. Um, I'm going and doing her hair two weeks later. The reason I, I, I was the one doing her hair is because her stylist gave up on her last minute. Mm. So that's why she was with no stylist two weeks before the wedding. So two weeks later, I'm going to that wedding and she pulls a picture with a classic bun. And she says, well, I changed my mind. All my family told me that that looks too quinceanera and it's more for like teenagers. And I want something more classic and more appropriate for my age. And I look at that picture and I'm scratching my head and I'm telling her, girl, there is no way in the world I can pull this off. I don't know how to do that. Well, to make the story short, she convinced me that I can do it. Okay. Well, in school, we've been taught that regardless of what kind of style you do, you need to bring texture to the hair, which was curling. That's what we used to do back in the days, right? Yeah. Regardless of doing your curling. Well, for that particular style, for that classic bun, the hair actually needs to be completely straight. No yeah. curls. So my uh, girl was Hispanic with virgin hair all the way down mm -hmm. to her so I'm taking two hours to curl her hair, um, <clears throat> about this much hair, like wow. a bunch. Yeah, it's like a good four or five inch around. Yes, two hours. And I am using the Trezem 
hairspray. Like on my way to the wedding, I stopped by at Walmart and I bought a, a box mm. with pins and that the stronghold. Yes. Them uh, hairspray because I thought that stronghold and then 200 bobby pins do the job, you know. Goodness, so I'm yes. going prepared. I'm like 200 bobby pins and that will do the job. And then we change uh, the, the style and I'm taking the time to curl. And when I was done, it looked like I a bird nest, like pretty much, or like I showed some socks in there and I put some hair on top of it. Mm-hmm. We go to the restroom. We were in a resort, right, uh, mm-hmm. close to the valley. We, I take her to the restroom and she turns around and she looks in the mirror and she's like, these were exactly her words. She was like, fuck no. Oh, man. <laughs> I am not going to church like this. Uh. Like, Lala. It's okay. I tried to convince you into this. Just take it down. I have to be in church in 45 minutes. Just put some curls in there and pin it up. Mm. So we take the hair down. Uh, while I curled, I used the stronghold hairspray. While I tried to style the hair, I used the stronghold hairspray. Okay. So the moment I took the hair and I started to brush, the hair turned completely white. Oh. I'm not talking about powdery white. I'm talking about flowery white. Wow. So I'm sitting in the hotel room above her head and I'm like panicking. I'm like, how I'm going to fix this. So I'm grabbing my shine spray oil mist and I'm spraying that on top of it, thinking mm. that it's going to take the flower away. But the, the, the texture of the hairspray was so strong when it mixed with the oil, it turned into gum. Oh my gosh. Started to brush and literally, it looked oh. like she had of gum in her hair <laughs> and she was a so here I am telling my client that I have to wash her hair because in order to do something, we really need to wash it. And that's when the hell came on earth. Oh, uh, I am Latin. Our language is Latin. So it's very similar to Spanish and Italian. Mm-hmm. I'm just Spanish completely. And that's when I heard her family planning how to beat the crap out of me. Oh, my goodness. God, if you get me out of here alive, I promise you, I'll never, ever do hair again. And I will stick with renting apartments. Just get me here out of, uh, well, the, the, she was two hours late. That's when she left that hotel room. Uh, we had to walk there. The makeup artist was gone. Her family had to do her makeup with whatever they gathered from their purses, whatever each of them had. Um, I did not get paid. I made it out of there alive, um, cancel all my appointments for the next two weeks. And I wanted to quit on doing hair, but I'm not a quit. Two weeks later, I went and bought a mannequin doll from Amazon. And all I wanted to do is learn how to do that freaking bun. I didn't want to do bridal hair ever again, deal with any brides ever in my life. But I said, if that client will come back, I want to be able to offer that service to her for free because it was devastating. I mean, ruining someone's big day for me, it had a big impact on, on me. And uh, I went to YouTube, but back in 2015, there were no YouTube videos on how to do bridal hair. All you could learn was like some simple braids. So I started there. I learned how to do a French braid, which is a three simple stri- three strands braid that I did not know how to do in 2015. I did nothing. I knew nothing about bridal hair. And from there, I started to create my own styles. It became a hobby, like literally a hobby. And by playing with that mannequin doll, I realized that I actually love hair. And I went back to the salon, but not doing bridal hair. And that was of August, end of August of 2014. And then in 2015, sorry, August of 2015. And then in October, I opened an Instagram account because everyone had one and it was trendy. And I started to not post pictures with uh, 
with color and cut, I started to post pictures with mannequin dolls and my cousin's hair because it was my new hobby. Mm. And from October of 2015 to December of, uh, I made it to 13,000 followers, which was absolutely shocking for me, having in mind that that was not what I was doing on a daily basis. And that's not how I was paying my bills. It was literally just a hobby. It was me playing with this new thing that I discovered that I'm well, your updos, your updos are, are just one of a kind. I remember when you had the class in the salon. I remember looking at them and I'd never seen anything like it. So you, you definitely have a talent and this creative mind that nobody has ever seen before. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. I had that creativity in me that I did not know about it because it was out of my comfort zone. So I never explored it. So once I discovered it, I realized that I can do art a different form, you know, through hair. For me, it was an escape of doing art, but through a different platform, like not good drawing, not sculpting, but doing hair, you know? Yeah, that and makes I, sense. The reason, like you said, a lot of people fell in love with my work because it was different. It was not that something that you could see every day without trying to, to sound cocky. It was just creativity there. Yeah. It was not bridal hair for a purpose. It was literally just me creating and discovering new things. And uh, in December, I got my first phone call from a salon owner around Sacramento. I don't know if you uh, follow her, Iris. Her Instagram is Glam Iris. Okay, I'll have to check her out. Was a part of the Paul Bryant team. Okay. One of the founders. Anyway, she was the first one who reached out to me because back then I used to have my phone number on my Instagram. And she reached out to me and she said she wants me to go and teach her uh, team on bridal hair. And I was like, I think you called the wrong number. And she's like, aren't you Lala Subdues? And I'm like, no. She's like, isn't your Instagram Lala Subdues? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I do have an Instagram. I'm like, oh, girl, that's just a hobby. I'm a cutting colorist. I don't I do not do bridal hair. She's like, okay, but your work is amazing. I would love for you to come and train my team. And I'm insisting, girl, I am not an educator. I don't do bridal hair. And yeah. English is language. I wouldn't even know where to start. And she insists and she says, Lala, I will pay you $100 for each person in my team if you come and teach us. And I'm like, girl, I don't know anything about bridal hair. I only know how to do four to five styles. And she says, okay, I wanted to come and teach us those four styles that you know. And uh, I said, okay, how many people? And she said seven. And I'm thinking $700 in three hours. Shit, I am not making that money in the salon on a day, not even on a week. Yeah. And I said yes to it just because of the money, because I desperately needed money. I love and your I, yeses. I love how much you say yes, though, girl. You should be so proud of yourself because that's that's amazing. So I'm going there, Stacey, uh, you know, prepared for seven people. And I have 47 people waiting for me. She's worth and more people when they saw my work, they were interested. So I left that salon with 4,700 in my pocket instead of 700. Wow. Posted about it. I was still in shock, still not knowing what just happened to me. And in the next two weeks, I, I got literally over 60 emails from salon owners all around the country that mm-hmm. saw educating and they said, we wanted to come and educate our team. Your uh, abjus are so unique. And I just, I was like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm not even a bridal stylist. I'm not even an educator. Do even people know that I'm not an educator? So I started to teach classes around Sacramento just because the money was good. Yeah. 
it was easy. I mean, it was easy money compared to what I was doing in a salon. I was a color correction specialist. All I was doing is blondes every day and color correction. And I would work for hours for back then. We were not charging what a, a color, a, 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 you know, a color specialist charges right now. I would yeah. work eight hours to make two, three hundred dollars. Then yeah. it was nothing. So, of course, when I had that opportunity, I said yes to it because I was doing something that I was passionate and I loved it. And everyone was happy with what I was doing, you know? So I just yes, said yes to it because it was fun and it was easy money without even thinking that one day this will become my career or like work towards it or like even taking it seriously. I, I haven't taken it seriously in the in my first year of my career. Right. I didn't even have a career or I'm working to b- build a career, you know? Yeah. I did not take it seriously until... A year later, when I won the um, One Shot Award, mm. the chair came with the One Shot Award in 2016. That was the first year they came with one. Before that, it was just one um, hot award. It was the one where you could like enter just professional pictures done in a studio by a professional photographer. Now you could enter pictures from behind the chair. Oh, nice. So- I entered like literally just because my cousin pushed me to do it uh, a year later, you know, um, what happened before I entered for that in March, I got a phone call from, um, I don't know if you are familiar with them, uh, David and Alexis uh, Thurston, uh-huh. founders of uh, Butterfly Circus and uh, uh, Paul Pryat. Yes. Uh, So the first thing they did, they came up with this on uh, education where uh, in three hours, instead of having one educator teaching, they would have six to eight educators teaching and everyone would have like 15 to 20 minutes of teaching. And in three hours, you will get to like learn everything, inspirational, uh, braids, uh, updues, barbering, um, you name it. And it was exciting and uh they called me and they asked me to be part of their lineup and i said yes again uh, because of the money without putting any questions and then i'm finding out that this is a 200 people event not 20 to 30 that i was used to in my classes and uh, i did not ask about the lineup and a few weeks before the show i'm asking and i find out that the lineup is larissa doll Jenny, the confession of a hairstylist, uh, Nina from Passion Square, Jay Wesley Olsen, and there's me. And I'm like, what did I get myself into? Like, these people are legends. Like, nobody knows who the shit I am. And I'm going there to be in this lineup. Um, I made it there uh, through a few times before. I made it through the show with half of Xanax in, in, in my system that was given to me by Larissa. Uh, nobody knew who the shit I was. Nobody came to talk to me or mingle with me before the show. I felt so out of place and I almost wanted to leave. And I made it through with that Xanax that Larissa uh, gave me. And out of the whole lineup, I was the only one who got a standing ovation of over five minutes. And that was the first time I got a chance to be in, a, uh, in front of a bigger audience. And it was given to me by them. And uh, then I entered, that was in June. And that was the month I entered for the behind the chair uh, show as well uh, for both categories, uh, braids and updo. Yeah. And I did it because she pushed me too. Uh, she was my model. And she was like, Lala, you're, everyone loves your updos. You should really enter it. And I'm like, I'm not a bridal stylist. I feel, I feel like, a, like a fraud. 
to enter for this one. This is not really my specialty. I was still doing cuts in color and I was teaching around Sacramento, but I was not a bridal stylist. I was not having any bridal clientele. And every time I was teaching, I actually felt like a fraud because I didn't really feel like I knew what I was talking about. I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, a lot of the times like frauds, you know, we just can't believe it, but you made a deal with God girl. So he came through for you. He sure did. He was like, Oh, you want to tell people about me? How about I give you a bigger platform and tell (laughs) one at a time. Um, So I entered and two months later, I find out that I'm a finalist for the one shot award on both categories. So I decided to go to New Orleans uh, to the Behind the Chair um, Awards because I have never been to a hair show before. That was the first time in my life. And I went there not because I thought I have any chances to win. To win. I went because I wanted to take a picture with Guy Tang and Sambia and all these idols that I was looking up to. And I was like, I just need, everyone told me that I need to build connections. And I'm like, I'm going to go there, build connections and take pictures with my idols. And I'm going there. I am not dressed. I am not prepared. I'm literally wearing a a pair of black jeans and a a black shirt and nothing special. And I'm sitting in front row next to Mustafa and Iris and Jenny, the confession of a hairstylist. And we see each other's pictures on the screen and we like cheer for each other. And Jenny wins the, the braiding uh, category and we're like all cheering for her and plotting and all that. And then they get to the Abdu category and they call my name and I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, what? <laughs> and pushing me and Mustafa and they're like, Lala, that's you. And I'm like, I, I just can't walk. I'm like, I'm in disbelief and I'm making it up on stage. And I, it's, it's so shocking for me that I can't even say anything. I'm like looking at the audience and all I could, I could whisper was, thank you, Jesus. I know this was you and thank you everyone who voted for me. And I literally ran off stage oh, wow. <laughs> and I made it on back of the stage with that award and I'm holding it in my hands and I'm like feeling like a fraud again. And I'm happy and shocked and, and grateful and like a multitude of emotions. And I'm like crying myself out on the back of the stage, realizing what's happening in my life in such oh. a short without even like working towards it or like really trying you know there are people out there who work so hard to make it out there well you didn't work hard but you really did work hard you really did you just don't see that because you're so used to it you know from your upbringing to just you know who you are inside you you worked really hard for it I worked really hard to make a better living but I do I I don't I didn't really work towards my career. This is what I'm trying to say, you know? Yeah, I got it. And uh, that was the moment when I started to take it seriously because as soon as I won that award, uh, the brand started to reach out to me. Uh, More salons and more brands were reaching out to me to be either a brand ambassador, to be an educator for them, to do that, to do that. And I'm like, people see me as an educator. I I need to start this, to, to take this seriously. And that was the moment when I went home And I started to work towards my career, meaning uh, not necessarily towards my career, but I wanted to to take myself seriously as an educator. And that's when I started to put the time into it. Like I, I, I plan to spend at least two, three hours every day into discovering new techniques so I can learn about hair and products. So I don't feel like a fraud anymore. That that was the first step that I worked towards. I did not want it to feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I, 
much time into it that I literally started to love discovering all these pieces of information. And eventually that became my specialty, like going into details and explaining the whys behind everything and simplifying everything and making people fall in love. It was not just the art now that I was, I was giving to people. It was the knowledge as well. Yeah. You're teaching the technique, your technique. Exactly. And that's pretty much how my career started. Like literally out of people's demand of me and sharing my knowledge and my passion for upstyling. It's not something that I, I worked towards or planned. I I was just, like you said, I was open to new opportunities. I said yes, when it was out of my comfort zone and I did not give up. And that brought me into a beautiful, beautiful um, stage in my life where I got to discover my true passion and, uh, you know, get to do what I love without watching the clock every five used to when I worked in the salon mm. and, you know I kept my part of the deal God is keep still keeping his part of the deal you know and um, I'm looking forward to see what other places he wants me to go yeah are you not doing hair in the salon anymore I stopped doing hair behind the chair in 2018 um, the demand for education became so overwhelming that I literally did not have time to take clientele because bridal clientele is mostly weekends and that's when I was classes because that's when everyone is off. Yeah. So I, where I could not take clientele because during the week I was busy teaching private classes. And on weekends, I was traveling around the United States, uh, teaching classes in salons. Okay. And, and so this, you have your school now. So like, was that a dream for a long time? Like, tell us about that. Well, uh, it was my dream to have a bigger space always. Um, I've been teaching private classes 2017 in a small studio where I was uh, creating content uh, for the brands that I was working and I'd never had space to take more than one person and I always dreamed dreamed about having a bigger space Um, I never thought that I would open a school I just wanted a bigger studio yeah and I had that dream in my mind for a long long time but it did not come to life until actually this year um, in February okay Uh, during the pandemic, I found out that I do not enjoy traveling that much. And I do enjoy spending time with my family. And then I do enjoy making money from the comfort of my home. And uh, I realized that it's time for me to settle. Uh, I'm not saying that I do not like to travel at all anymore. But I do not like to be gone every weekend. I do not like to miss birthdays anymore. I do not like to miss graduations. I do not like to miss a lot when it comes to my personal life, because, you know, awards are nice and popularity is okay, but it's not wiping my tears and it's not paying. I mean, it's, it's, it is paying my bills, but I could pay my bills without having any tears. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. The pandemic really, you know, the, the closure shutting us all down showed us a whole nother way of life, you know, hairstylists, salon owners, you know, educators, and there's, it's really hard to go back to that same hustle. So I totally understand. I could just say that I realized during the pandemic that my quality time was always given to the people outside of my personal life mm-hmm. and always giving crumbles to the ones that, the most important in my life. Yeah. I'm happy that I got to see that and I, and I got to change that. And, and eventually with that, another one of my dreams came true. I opened uh, my bridal <clears throat> February 1st 
And uh, it was it was amazing for the first week, you know, when one of your dreams come true and it's that euphoria that you achieve uh, another milestone in your life. And then reality settles and you realize that you have another place to pay for and you have more bills to pay for. Yeah. I started to like, be honest, I, I, I was stressed a little bit, but God stepped in again. And uh, since I opened on February 1st, uh, my first three months, I worked every day with no days off. My only days off were Sundays. I was literally booked with classes from February to this month, every single day. Okay. And I had people flying from all around the world, not even United States. I had students flying from Switzerland, from Italy, from Republican uh, Dominican Republic, from uh, Finland. Wow. From, I had people from all around the world traveling to, to be trained at my academy. So I am uh, literally counting my blessings. And during the pandemic, I launched my own uh, texturizing tool. Yeah, I see you have some tools. Well, first of all, congratulations. I mean, huge, huge congratulations to you for the success of that and all those people flying in. I hope you don't feel like a fraud now, right? You've done the work. You're oh, like, <laughs> like a fraud anymore. This okay. event passion. And um, I'm still putting the same amount of time in it that I did in the beginning okay. when I like a fraud. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, you know, it's, yeah, at some point, you know, this is awesome. You, you can definitely without a doubt know that you're not because of the work you've done. So yeah, sorry. Um, tell us about your tools. My tool. Uh, well, I've been using a texturizing tool since the beginning of my career because in East Europe is very popular. Okay. Like a texturizing the hair for bridal hair comes from Russian and it's been used in the bridal industry for Russians for about 15 years now. But it hasn't really become popular in the United States until like four or five years now. I've been using one since the beginning of my career, but not if not the other stylists were not very familiar with it or comfortable to use one. Uh, and whatever I found on the market, I was never really happy with what I was getting because the crimper were built like the crimpers back in the 90s when we used to do that crazy zigzag volume hair you know yeah. and for a different purpose now is just to give a subtle texture to the hair and have a lot of control over it and get rid of the frizz it has a lot of benefits but I was never happy with what I was getting with the ones on the market so uh two years in the hair in the bridal industry I got this idea of coming up with my own and I worked on it for about two and a half years uh, until I felt like this is the tool that I want to come up with and it it just happened that I I got to um to launch that during the pandemic. I launched that in November of 2020 because it was in the work already for two and a half years. So it just happened that it was during the pandemic and it, it had a great success. I mean, what I built is completely different than what is on the market. I literally built a tool for uh, bridal styling preparation only. Okay. And um, people are loving it so far. Like I've launched in 2020 and so far I only had five returns. Oh, that's awesome. And why did they, did they return them just because they didn't like, like, I mean, do they even give you reasons? Uh, some of them, they don't really know how to use it and they uh -huh. don't take to read or watch the videos on how, what it's used for. So a lot of people bought it because of everyone saying it's amazing, but not knowing really how to use it. Some of them told me that they realized that it's not really a tool that they need in their kit, but nobody really told me that they returned it because it's not good. So most of the times it's because they don't really know how to use it or they realize they don't really need it. 
Yeah. You have a wristband thing too, right? For the pins. Do you still use that? Uh, no, that was actually mine. That was a pink pewter. Oh. Um, I was just their ambassador when they launched it for a year, but it's yeah. an amazing you know, it seems genius to me. I, I don't do any bridal hair. So, <laughs> but that seems like when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's genius. It is because it saves a lot of time. You know, you don't have to move your hands from your client's scalp. Mm -hmm. Plus, you're, you know, doing this for each bobby pin versus here. Yeah. Artful and very useful. Yeah, that's awesome. So now do you have like, um, what, what are you doing now? Because you said you went back to working like full time. Has it evened itself out? Do you find yourself working a lot still? Uh, I feel like since I opened the Academy, all I'm doing is just working. <laughs> but um, I've learned from these three months. So now I'm, uh, I'm blocking a lot of dates out of my calendar to make sure that I get the time to spend some time with my family and work because in March, I launched my online education as well. So that's a lot of work as well. You know, I have to meet with models. I have to create content. I have to edit content and then, you know, yes. set it for all that and that's a lot of work there are a few days of work so I need to balance it and now I've learned that I need to to you know block some days off to have time for family and other things that I'm working on uh, but again like I said uh, I am working for myself now which is a uh, I mean I work for myself all these years yeah what I'm saying is that um, I can set the deadlines. It's not like I'm working for a brand and I have to post that much and that much. And regardless of how I'm feeling, I have to do it because those are my terms, you know, yeah. it's like your own boss. You get to work yourself out or you get to sit on your butt. It's, it's your decision. <laughs> yeah. So even though you're working, you know, you're working a lot, it's for you. No, I totally get that. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. So what do you, what's, what is going to be next for you? So you're talking about, you're doing some online, you're going to create an online course so that people don't have to uh, come to school. March. Um, I got to a library of over 70 tutorials by now. Wow. Covering all kinds of styles. Um, I will continue with that. Uh, my dream is to expand my line of tools and come up with, you know, curling irons, flat irons. I know everyone has that, but I built a very, very good tool that everyone is happy with. So um, I would love to continue with that when the finances are allowing me to. Yeah. I am uh, working on publishing an educational book or bridal book. It's, it's all done. All I have to do is the design and then print it. And uh, I'm working on coming up with my own book, my life story. Hey. Working on that for a few years now. And every time I'm thinking I'm going to have more time, something else comes and doesn't allow me to finish that, which tells me that that story needs to be told. If I've been dragging my feet for so long, someone doesn't want that story to come out in the world and God is pushing me, but it's, you know, it, it's really hard to write. Like I've, I feel like uh, we have some parallel things. Um, so I launched my book during the pandemic, when we were closed, I saw this group of people that were writing. There were, there were this one friend of mine, she posted that she was going to write a book in seven days. So I was like, wait a minute, what's this all about? Like, I want to get involved with this. Right. So I signed up and it was this Australian company. So basically from 8am in the morning until midnight, every four hours, we were on zoom for seven days, checking in and talking about what we were writing. So for in seven days, I got the first draft of my book finished. And then 
Like literally I, for seven days I wrote, like I was in the house, you know, we were closed. So you didn't have to go anywhere. So I was in the house, like, you know, I don't even know if I got dressed half the time. I don't know. Cause you know, it's hard to write. And so I wrote, checked in. Um, I checked in from about eight in the morning until probably about four. I didn't check into the later ones. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so then I signed up after that seven days, I signed up for this other program where they teach you how to launch it. And then they help you with the cover and they edit it and all of that. And so then December of 2021, I launched it on Amazon and became an Amazon bestseller. So that was like something that I did because of the closure. So it was, that was something that was, that was amazing to me. So yeah. 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 No, I totally will. I'll sign a copy and I'll send it to you. I have about, I have to order a hundred more, but I think, um, I, I sold 70 in the first day and that's kind of how you become a bestseller. But, um, I ordered a hundred, uh, hard copies and then, so I'm going to order another hundred more, but I have one. I will definitely send you one. I would love to read yeah. it. And I want to read your story too. So I, um, yeah, I want, I want you to keep going with that dream. Cause it's pretty amazing to get your book out there. And I can already see the cover, you know, you probably already know what the cover is, but I could see it. <laughs> well, it's called uh, dandelions. So yeah. are you going to be laying in a field blowing on it? The cover. No, <laughs> <laughs> I saw my face enough on the, on the, uh, on my crimper box. No, you <laughs> have wanna... to have your, no, you have to have your face on it. When we did the cover of my book, I kept saying, no, 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 no. And finally, last minute, like I had to get this done. I called this lady who does a photography for me in the salon. And I said, Hey, look, I need a book cover. So we went across the street to this park that's by my house. And I bought a couple of dresses and I just, we went in some, in the middle of some trees and it literally, we took probably about like 50 shots and it was like the last one, you know, that I really loved. And so that was it. I, then, then once I put myself on the cover and you'll see, I was like, so glad that I did that. You need to be on the cover of your book. I don't know. <laughs> you'll I, should, I should finish the book first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you finish it, you know, you, you get it done, but, um, I can send you the information of the people that I wrote it with too. I mean, it was intensive, believe me, it was intensive, but, but it was pretty awesome. So do you have like any, um, morning rituals that you take for yourself or any time that you take for yourself? Well, definitely. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to start my day. Right. Um, I am, uh, usually an early bird. I wake up around six, six thirty. Um, I always have my coffee first. I can't function without my coffee. I need my coffee first and then everything else follows. I usually uh, read and, uh, and pray and meditate for at least an hour, an hour and a half. Nice. A lazy butt, I don't really exercise. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm doing my exercise in the morning and I'm drinking my water and I'm doing that and that. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I usually uh, make my plans the night before. Um, I don't want to do that in the morning. You know, throughout the day, I'm, I'm thinking about all the things I have to do this tomorrow. I have to do this. And I always write it down. I write everything down and I kind of like make a plan for the second day. And usually I'm trying to not let my my uh, day go more than nine to 10 hours. So meaning if I'm starting work at eight o'clock, I don't want to go more than five o'clock. And lately I found it working beautifully for me of not touching my phone after five o'clock. So I put it on mute after five o'clock. I kind of told my close friends that I do not respond to any phone calls after eight o'clock. So if it's a text, I respond to it. But after eight o'clock, I literally do not answer phone calls 
or text back to anyone or sitting on, on social media anymore. Uh, since beginning of this year, I stopped being on social media. I realized that it takes a lot, a lot out of my life. And uh, I stopped watching TV <laughs> here. And I realized that I actually have plenty of time. And all that time was stolen for me sitting on that phone and watching TV. And if you take like literally just try for a week, Stacey, I'm not lying to you. Yeah. One week, don't touch your phone unless it's necessary and don't watch TV. And you will be amazed of how much free time we actually have. Yeah, I agree with you. And as much as I can sit here and tell you, oh, I really don't. You know what? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take that challenge, girl. Like I did that and it didn't work out. And what I tried to do, I literally put sticky notes everywhere around the house, on the fridge, on the kitchen cabinets, on the uh, bathroom, in my bedroom, everywhere. Don't touch your phone. Love it. Don't open the, don't touch your phone. Don't open the TV. And I put, um, you know, those small elastics. I took all the TV remotes uh-huh. and everything, wrapped them with that. So I don't tempted to just grab it and you know, play. Yeah. You know, Uh, that's really good advice. That's good. What it helped me not necessarily just get, get my peace back, but it allowed me to grow a lot because that time I use it differently. I use it for me. I use it for my family. I used it to read a good book, Mm -hmm. you know, and reading a lot of things happens when you read. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go into preaching. I'm going to stop here. No, it's okay. I reading is amazing. I definitely would not be the person that I am today without reading. Like I've learned so many things from reading books. So reading is very important. Um, So, well, what, what advice? uh, So let's see, what advice would you have for any young stylist who has big dreams and they're just starting out? Like, is there like any aha moments for you that you, you wish you knew sooner I mean, I like what you're saying about stolen time, because I think, you know, the, the younger generation or the people that are just being raised now with all this technology, you know, it's like, you know, is there, that right there is, is, is a nice um, thing for them to think about, but like, is there anything that you would say for them to do? Like if they. Going back and looking at my last seven years of life, because literally everything that I've been telling you so far, it happened in a matter of seven years for me. Yeah. Uh, it could have happened so much sooner if I would have been open to saying yes to opportunities. So the first thing that I want to tell uh, everyone who wants to start a career, not necessarily in hair, but any other branch, you know, is to say yes to opportunities and get out of your comfort zone. Uh, second one would be to surround with people that have ambitions. Like the moment I change Uh, My circle of friends is the moment when I started to grow. Uh, Because if you have friends that uh, have no ambitions, no planning, no dreams, no visions, uh, you pretty much start to to have the same vision and the same, you know, uh, outlining of life. And you you don't want to grow because nobody else around you wants to grow. And you become okay with whatever you have in your life. Yeah. And I realized that until I changed my, my circle of friends. And when I give up on a lot of people that I thought they are my friends, which eventually turned out that they were not my friends when I took the big boat. And when they were still in the big boat, they could not cope with that idea. And they were trying to drag me back. 
And that will be a, another advice that I give everyone. Uh, be careful who you are surrounded with, what kind of people you are surrounded by, because that will affect your life tremendously. And if you are surrounded by people who constantly plan to have a better life, you're going to want to have a better life as well. You're not going to say less anymore. And the third advice is, is what my mom used to tell me all the time as, as a teenager, is that um, your success in life is based on how many solutions you can come up for each problem and not how many excuses you can find. I love that. So if you're going to look for solutions for the problems that come your way, trust me, you're going to make it. Yes. No, that's great advice. That was really good. Um, so let me, I'd like to like ask this one question to people because I have a couple of these in mind for myself is, you know, is there one epic vacation that you, that in the back of your mind that you would like to go to, like anywhere in the world, you know, if money was no object, you can go anywhere for like, you know, a week or a month or whatever, you know, where would that be? Do you have like that one place that you want to go? I would love to go. <sighs> From all the vacations that I took, the one that I loved the most was India. Mm. I would go back there. That was the only place that I visited in my life where I really felt like I actually disconnected. Wow. World. And I literally just was in the moment, like experiencing everything from sounds to smell to taste to everything and not worry about anything. So you want to go back? Yes. Awesome. Well, girl, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything that you feel like you want to share that you haven't? No, all I can say is that it's in your power to turn all those dreams into reality. And you should not listen to anyone who told you, tells you that you can't. Yeah. I mean, career and even before I started my career, all I heard is that I should not do that, that I should not go to school, that that's not the way I should raise my kid throughout school and hustling. All I heard is that I'm not raising my kid good, that I'm not a good mother, that, that not, I, that's not what I should do. I even when I started to uh, teach, I had people who told me that my English is not good enough, that I should try again when my English improves. Um, when I made it on the big stages, I've been called fat and unattractive and just a beautiful face with no brain. And, um, I've been called racist and I've been called a lot of names mm -hmm. since then. and I've heard it all. Yeah. And you know what? That's the moment when you say me, no speak English, <laughs> you pretend that you don't understand anything and you keep going and by keep going, you're going to get there. You know, yeah, because we're not going to change other people's opinions about anything. Exactly. If you stop with every dog that barks, you will never make it to your destination. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how, oh, sorry. Sorry. What no. was that? I said those are my last thoughts. Okay. Awesome. Um, where can people uh, find your tools, um, information on your school? You know, how can they reach out? Uh, they can always reach my website through my Facebook account or my Instagram account or my Pinterest or YouTube. It's just lalasubdues.com. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. So, all right, well, that's going to be it for now. And, um, I'm looking forward to just continuing to see what you're up to. And I can't wait to, uh, read your book one day. I can't wait to read yours. Thank you right. so much for me. And thank you everyone who tune in.
All right. Thank you, girl. We'll talk soon.